So when we left off, uh, we were in Revelation chapter 6, the sixth seal had been loosed, and there's a great earthquake, the sun turned black, the moon turned to blood, asteroids are plummeting the earth, uh, there's volcanoes going off, all kinds of, the earth is, was in upheaval when we left off, and, and people on the earth were crying out for the rocks to fall on them because they would not surrender to the rock of ages to save them. So we, we, we leave the end of chapter 6. The people crying out for the rock saved them. The earth is in upheaval. And we come to chapter 7, and what it appears we have is the calm before the storm. This great storm is going to pick up again in Revelation chapter 8. And it's going to make chapter 6 look like nothing when we get to the judgments of Revelation chapter 8. But right now in chapter 7, it's the calm before the storm. We read verses 1 through 3. John writes, after these things, so after the sixth seal, after the earthquakes and the volcanoes and everything else, and the asteroids hitting the earth, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Let's stop here. You get an idea of what's going on. We'll go into the details. Uh, there's, there's no wind. There's people who have to be sealed before the earth is going to get harmed with the next set of judgments. Simple enough? Okay, let's, get a, let's build from here with a, a better understanding understanding <coughs> excuse me first thing we notice is four angels are standing at the four corners of the earth does this mean in verse one that the earth is flat a square there's four corners because there's a lot of, you put on youtube you google flat earth how many of you have done that this stuff is all over the place and, and i'm just going to tell you that it, it's, it's absurd second thessalonians chapter two god says I'm going to send them strong delusion in the last days uh, because they, they would not receive the love of the truth, therefore they'll believe the lie. And I think people are just living in this delusional state. I mean, come on. You know what? When I was uh, 13 years old, I climbed up to a fairly high mountain, up like the highest in Southern California, and I found out something when I was up there. It was a clear day. I looked at the earth, and I went, wow, the earth really is round. I could see that as a 13-year-old kid. And I hear people all the time saying the earth is flat. So it's not. So what does this mean? Um, these angels are standing at the four corners of the earth. We see this term, four corners of the earth, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 8. Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Corners comes from a word which means quarters or points. Four compass points, as in north, south, east, west. Make sense? Simple enough. So if you're a flat earther, don't you dare read into this that the earth is flat. One day you're going to feel like a fool if you, if you do this sort of thing. Number two, we know the angels are holding the four winds of the earth. The term Holding comes from a Greek word, kriteo, and it means to seize, 
to use strength to lay hands on to restrain with great effort. Uh, years ago, I had this very large German shepherd. He was big. He was muscular. He had a big head. He weighed over 120 pounds, but he was solid muscle, and I would take him for walks. His name was Gus, and Gus was a good dog, except Gus didn't like cats and other dogs. That was the problem. He was great with people. So I take him for a walk. I had a big choke chain on him, and man, when he would see a cat or a dog, I am, I'm telling you, I am restraining with all the force I possibly could to keep that dog back. Uh, there, unfortunately, there's a time when he busted the choke chain. It, he didn't catch the small dog he was going after. Praise God, that small dog bolted, and their front door was open, and and my dog didn't go inside their house. That was, you know, I already got the neighbor mad enough at me. You may have a, a mighty mud at home, but imagine the force of these angels that are holding back the winds on this earth. Some folks have this crazy idea that angels are like these fairy tale figments, or, or they're like these things you put on your Christmas tree at Christmas time, and they all look kind of like pansy ish or something like that, right? Um, not so. During the life of King Hezekiah, when the king cried out to God for help because of what was certain defeat uh, for him from Sennacherib, we read in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 19, that God tells uh, uh, Hezekiah, hey, this is what's going on. It came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord, so Hezekiah is crying out before the Lord, we're going to die, what can you do? So on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. How many angels? That's one angel. And that's pretty bad. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses, and they were all dead. That's usually what corpses are. They're all dead. But it says it there in the Bible. (coughs) So the four winds... Or all the winds of the earth, whether from the north, the south, the east, or the west. Uh, we also learned the next thing, number three, and these, these points are just building up to the questions we're going to get to. The wind will not blow on the earth, the sea, or any tree. Now this is good news, and this is bad news. I heard um, a lady, she called up her husband, he's having a bad day at work, and he says, she says, honey, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Tells her, I... Listen, I cannot handle any more bad news. Just give me the good news. And she said, okay, you know that new car we have? Yeah. She goes, the airbags on it work great. So, there's the, you guys, if you, you know, if you didn't figure it out, think about it, you'll, you'll figure it out later. <laughs> so, you'll get it, you'll get it. Don't strain yourself too much. All right. I'll give you a hint. The airbags exploded because she got in a wreck. Good news, the airbags weren't great. The bad news is she got in a wreck. Got it? Okay, let's move on. Because I saw some of your faces looking like, I'm going to go home and figure that one out there, pilgrim. So we have some good news here. Uh, With the wind not blowing, the airborne plagues from the fourth horseman, the pale horse, and and all of the dead bodies are laying around. Those plagues aren't blowing all over the earth. That part is good news. The Bible clearly teaches that God controls all things. He controls the winds, the good winds, and the bad winds. The Bible tells us, Psalm 135, verse 6 and 7, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend 
from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. And he does this for a reason. Psalm 148 tells us, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, praise the Lord. And all the depths, praise the Lord. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. So this is good news. No plagues are blowing all over the world, right? However, and God's controlling it. However, and he's going to seal these individuals, we'll see them in a minute. However, in the good news, there's also bad news, right? So think of the last time you walked outside, <coughs> and it was hot, it was thick, it was muggy, and there's no breeze. Um, so next time that happens, think of this verse. I think of it, ever since I read it, I think when it's a really high humidity day, there's no breeze, you're, it's at night, there's no breeze blowing, you're like, ugh, right? And that's just Southern California. We know how Southern Californians are, right? Because we live here. We complain about the weather. We have probably some of the nicest weather in the world. Right now, you look back east, and you're thinking, man, we've got it made. There's people in Southern California right now, probably half of you complaining because it's really nice outside. Um, so in the summer, remember, we'll complain because it's hot. It's supposed to be hot out here in the summer. Uh, and then if it cools off in the summer, we might complain because it's supposed to be hot in the summer. And then in the winter, well, it's supposed to be cool, but it's often nice and warm in the winter. And then if it does get cool, we'll definitely complain about that. I have to put a jacket on tonight. It is so cold out, right? Something like that. Or uh, if, it, if, it, if we hear there's going to be a quarter-inch rain, right? Southern California stuck to the TV, Storm Central, oh my, the world's Noah's flood. Right. So imagine how Southern Californians would do uh, with no wind. A wind keeps the smog out. A wind brings the clouds that bring the rain. And if you live in a city like Hemet, California, there's a chance that the wind will bring some rain that will turn the brown hills green. It's quite possible. No rain, rain means no agriculture, which means no food, which means even greater famine. Uh, this quickly becomes a no-wind situation. You get no wind, no wind, no wind. You guys are tough tonight. Number four from verse two. Another angel appears from the east. Uh, this angel is not holding back the wind, but this angel has the seal of the living God and tells the other four, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees yet. Why not? We read it, but here it is, number five. The servants of God are going to be sealed on their foreheads. So what can we learn from these three verses? It's pretty straightforward. The lack of wind is God's gracious calm before the storm. Like the eye of a hurricane, although some bad effects will happen because of the lack of wind, still God's wrath is being postponed for a short time. Hold back. Don't harm the, the trees, the sea. Don't, don't harm these things. Hold back. God's anointed, God's chosen must be sealed. So uh, God's gracious calm before the storm from the lack of wind, and also God's gracious protection in the storm that's about ready to come. The Bible doesn't tell us what the seal will be. We are told only that these believers of chapter 7 will be protected by some type of identification, identification that 
keeps them from harm during the great tribulation that is coming. In a similar sense, believers now, we are sealed. Did you know that? The Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 1, in him is Christ Jesus. You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. As we have the guarantee of our eternal inheritance in Christ, these who are sealed by God and identified as his during the tribulation are guaranteed of his earthly protection and also of their eternal inheritance. So we have this as the background, and now we're going to get some questions and answers. You ready? Okay, so first question is this. Who is being sealed? So we have the wind held back, an angel's going to seal all these people. Who is it that's being sealed? And then we'll see why. Verse uh, 4, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. Of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Tribe of Simeon, 12,000. Tribe of Levi, 12,000. Tribe of Issachar, 12,000. Tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. So what do we know so far? Well, this is the seal of God to be placed on the foreheads of these individuals. They are servants of our God. Chapter 7, verse 3 told us that, right? These are just some things we can make observation of. Um, there are 144,000 of them. Why do we know, how do we know? Because we're told. 12,000 of each of these 12 tribes of Israel that are listed. And what else can we know? They are all Jewish. How do I know that? Well, I'm going to save that for another minute, right? I'll tell you who they're not, and I'm also going to tell you that I believe we have a pretty good idea. I'm going to go out on a limb tonight to understand who they are. But with that, before we get to those things, who they're not and who they are, and being able to identify them today, um, next question is why are they being sealed? The seal is protection over them. Of tribulation believers, only these 144,000 are kept safe. All other people who come to faith in Christ after the rapture, right, go into the tribulation. All other people who go into the tribulation that receive Christ are going to be subject to the same world in upheaval as everyone else who isn't saved. And also, those who are in Christ are not only subject to the same catastrophes, earthquakes, and and pestilence and everything else, right? I, got, I have this, this flu that's now turned into a cold going on. I'm not protected because I'm a believer in Christ, right? So those who come to Christ during the tribulation period, they're not going to be protected from the pestilence that's going to come about except these 144,000 will. And also with those coming to Christ who are not of the 144,000, uh, they're also going to be subject to the possibility if they get caught trying to buy or sell off with their heads. Okay, move on. Question number three. <clears throat> How long are they sealed and protected um, for the duration of the tribulation period? It doesn't appear that the seal and protection ever comes off them until Yeshua comes back and rules and reigns from Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, 
The Bible tells us this. So this is later on. Chapter 7, we're first introduced to the 144,000. Chapter 14, we see them again. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Let me ask you this. When is the lamb of God, Jesus, standing on Mount Zion? At the end of the tribulation period, right? How many are with Jesus when he's standing on Mount Zion? 144,000. Notice it doesn't even say 143,999. Jesus doesn't lose one. Which is a reminder for you and I, if you're in Christ, listen, Jesus doesn't lose you, right? If you're in Christ, you are in Christ. There's still 144,000 when Jesus is standing in Mount Zion. Man, that's going to be a great day. We're going to meet them. Are you saved? You're going to meet these 144,000. That's going to be really cool. Because we're coming back with Jesus on this horses thing. It's going to be totally cool. That's the end of the book of Revelation. Number four, what is the seal? It's the name of God the Father. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. We just saw it. It says, having his Father's name written on their foreheads. Uh, by the way, there's more evidence of protection of these 144,000. Revelation chapter 9, verse 4 says... Uh, they were commanded not to harm the grass. This is, this is the judgments that were coming from the angels. Don't harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Only harm them. The ones who have the seal of God on their foreheads, Revelation chapter 9, don't harm them. Again, we have God's protection of these 144,000. So this takes us to who these are and who they are not. And some fascinating things we're going to see about DNA here in just a second. Ready? Number five, how do we know that these are Jewish men? Jehovah's Witnesses say they are the 144,000. Um, you can read all Jehovah's Witness literature. They'll tell you they are the 144,000. Once their numbers reached over 144,000 within their religion, they had a problem. And so now it's only certain people. The last Jehovah's Witness I talked to, it's only certain people that achieved something. They're part of the 144,000. Know, and there's, there's others that think they're part of the 144,000. We'll get into that in just a second. But I think um, the scripture can't be more clear. These are physical descendants of the patriarch Jacob, known by God as Israel. Ethnic Israel. Physical descendants. They're Jewish. I want you to think of this, all right? And this is a major stumbling block for a lot of people who go to churches that don't teach these things, that don't take the Bible literally regarding the second coming of Christ. It's a major stumbling block. Understand this. For God's promises to Israel to be fulfilled, Jacob's descendants, ethnic Israel, Jews, must at some point turn to Christ. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 11 says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. After earlier he asked the question, is God done with Israel? Certainly not, right? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. It's a mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. A lot of Christians are wise in their own opinion regarding the Jews in Israel. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. All right? You got it? It's a mystery. Don't be wise in your own opinion. 
Understand what the word teaches you. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until a particular time with the Gentiles, the time of the Gentiles being filled, right? And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. This is exactly what God says in Daniel chapter 9 he's going to do with Israel. Your holy people, your holy city. He's going to take away our sins, right? And then this says, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. The key phrase is found in verse 26. All Israel will be saved. What is that a reference to? Uh, it doesn't mean God's going to force Jewish people into the place of salvation, but this is what uh, Zechariah chapter 14 teaches. Zechariah chapter 14 teaches that two-thirds of Israel is going to be destroyed, meaning two-thirds of the Jews are going to be destroyed during the tribulation period, but one-third is going to be tested and refined, and they are going to be saved. All, all of the remnant of Israel, according to Zechariah chapter 14, all of them are going to be saved, including within that group of the one-third is the 144,000 that we're reading about here. Make sense? Okay. God's promise to Israel will be fulfilled. Think of this. The name Israel is never used in Scripture to refer to Gentiles. Never. Right? You hear this talk a lot in, in churches, especially nowadays. Uh, the name Israel is always in reference to the physical descendants of Jacob whom God called Israel. Make sense? Always in reference to the physical descendants of Jacob, Jews. Okay? Also note the phrase spiritual Israel never appears in the Bible. Now this is crucial because God made a series of unconditional promises to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that would be to the Jews. That would be ethnic Israel. There are groups that try to say that God is done with Israel and, and the ethnic Jews regarding his promises. They say that uh, they forfeited their rights when Jesus was crucified on the cross. That is not at all what the Bible teaches. It never teaches that. There's not the, and they'll, they'll say that now the church is spiritual Israel. You do not have that taught in the Bible, Jehovah's Witnesses, say they now have these promises. Hence, there are 144,000, but there are even people within replacement theology that has a major foothold within Christian churches in America and in Europe. And also those who teach uh, um, some of those things regarding millennialism, saying God's, God's done with Israel, so there is spiritual Israel. You do not have that term. God is not done with Israel God names them, Revelation chapter 7, tribe by tribe, to eliminate all doubt <coughs> that they are Jews. They are of the 12 tribes of Jacob, 12,000 from each tribe. These are 144,000 Jewish men, by the way, Jewish men that are virgins. How do we know that? Because I've read my Bible, Revelation chapter 14. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. There it is. Some Bible scholars will say, well, that doesn't really mean that. 
I believe it really does mean it. These are the ones who followed the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. Now I'm going to show you something, all right? So I tell you who they're not. They're not anybody that's not Jewish, all right? That's who the 144,000, they have to be Jewish. Now I'm going to go out on a limb, because I'm going to narrow this down, and I, I realize I might be wrong. But you know me, I think I'm right, or I wouldn't say it, right? So this is a picture of Hasidic Jews, or Haredi Jews, as they're called. You go to Israel, you'll see them, black hats, they got the long sideburns, and Beards and, and everything. See them all over Israel. You see them in L.A., Fairfax District, parts of New York, Philadelphia, Miami, and, and different parts, right? Um, I want you to think of this. I'm going to walk, this, walk through this with you. 12,000 from these 12 tribes of Jacob that are listed. It's 144,000. Of the Haredi, it's estimated as of today. I checked my facts today. There are between 1.3 million and 1.5 million Haredi Jews in the world. That is a very large percentage because I believe the amount of Jews in the world is something like only like 15 or 16 million, something like that, right? So that's like 10% of the Jews are Haredi Jews. I want you to consider this also. The Haredi live by different rules than than, uh, regular Westerners or even other Jews. They're um, very strict when it comes to the opposite sex. Remember what Revelation chapter 14 said about these 144,000. They don't defile themselves with women. They are virgins, right? They're very strict. Uh, if, if they go out on a date, if they would call it that, they're not holding hands. There's no smoochy smoochy. There ain't none of that, right? Very strict. The women are just strict as the men. In fact, I've met many of them, and... We're goy. That's an unpleasant term. It's kind of like means you're gentle. It really means you're a filthy pig, right? To them, all right? Now, with that, so they have that. The Haredi also don't act like uh, Westerner Jews. They have a lot of children. They believe in the biblical command to procreate. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten children. That is the norm for a Haredi family. So you figure if Jesus doesn't come back for 20 more years, you take 1.5 million Haredi in the world right now, you multiply it times all these, these little boys that are being born to these families, you have a lot of 18-year-old Haredi virgin males that are running around on this planet. You know what I mean? So you start to see how this works. You know, let me take a step further. The Haredi are not liked by every Jew in Israel for various reasons. One big reason is they don't like to work. They get paid to study. It's kind of like a welfare thing here in the United States. You study the Torah. That's what they're doing all day long. Studying the Torah. Being paid to study the Torah. They're virgins until they get married. They're They have these strict guidelines, all these different things that they follow. Consider that the Apostle Paul, and they don't like Gentiles at all, probably especially if you're a Christian. Um, Consider that the Apostle Paul would have fallen into that type of category with his 
zeal, his pharisaic zeal that he had. He hated the Gentiles. He studied the Torah. He was a teacher of the Torah. He knew what he was doing. When he got saved, remember how he got saved? God knocks him, the Lord knocks him off his horse, appears, uh, appears to him, blinds him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember that? He gets saved. God took all of the knowledge that was in Paul's brain from studying for a long, long time and pulled all of that knowledge out and now used it to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I look at this. This group of Haredi families are set up. There's, there's no other group like them in the world set up. This is why I say this. Set up like the 144,000. Happen to have all that Bible study in their head. They're, I believe they're going to get saved like the Apostle Paul, and all of a sudden it is going to click. Isaiah chapter 53 is going to click, and they're going to get it. Aha, I've got it. I find it fascinating myself. Now, I know I may be wrong, but I'm not wrong. I know I'm right. That's why I just said it, right? So let's move on. Radical conversions, all that word in them, set apart from women. Wow. Jesus come quickly. Uh, by the way, for the record, this list of tribes varies slightly from some other list of tribes that are listed here in, in Scripture. Uh, most of the list of tribes um, do not list the priestly tribe of Levi. They make it up by listing Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Instead, this list of tribes does not list Ephraim or Dan, but this list of tribes includes Joseph and his son Manasseh, and it also includes the tribe of Levi. Now, so this list is a little bit different. Now, we don't know why Dan and Ephraim are not listed here. Now, there's a lot of, I, I have a lot of good friends that will talk about why they're not listed here, and Bible commentators will say, well, Dan and Ephraim sinned against the Lord. Uh, Dan wouldn't go where they're supposed to, so Dan relocated up north and committed idolatry, which, which is true. And Ephraim had their own set of idolatry issues, but so did pretty much all of the other tribes of Israel. Manasseh was one of the most evil tribes out of all of them. So you start looking, and so I don't know. I, I'm not going to go and say this is the reason why Dan and Ephraim are, are not part of the 144,000. I'm going to go, and I'm going to say this, I don't know why. When I get to heaven, I'll know why. If God wanted me to know why, he would tell me why. But I do believe the 144,000 that are listed here, they're going to know exactly why during the tribulation, Dan and Ephraim are not counted with them. Let's move on. Just two more questions. You ready? We're going to finish almost on time. Isn't that like an awesome thing? Wow. <clears throat> Number six, what about the lost tribes of Israel? You ever hear about that? Religions have been built on the lost tribes of Israel, claiming that they are of the ten lost tribes of Israel. Why the ten lost tribes? Because when, after Solomon died and the kingdom split, you have Rehoboam to the south and Jeroboam to the north. Jeroboam goes up north. He leaves the ten tribes of the north, and, and you have the two southern tribes of Judah uh, in the south. And and uh, the, so then after the Assyrians came, the, the ten tribes of the north are scattered, and they are forever lost. I'm going to tell you this much right now. They are not lost. God, the God didn't go, oh, where did they go? Oh, evey. You know, God, God doesn't lose them. He doesn't lose you. He doesn't lose me, right? 
But there's religions that build their, their whole viewpoint on the ten lost tribes of Israel. There's some who believe that the people of the United Kingdom are the direct descendants of the lost tribes of Israel called British Israel. You ever heard of that one? There was never a shred of credible proof of British Israel. Um, in fact, with DNA, we have a real good idea of, of that we can really tell that the ten tribes of Israel have not been lost. I mean, I know by the Bible because God's listing 12 tribes right here, right? God didn't lose them. He didn't start some other religion, right? I want you to think of this. In DNA studies of Jewish people all over the world, we see a tribal and familial distinction going back millennia with an origin in what we call the Holy Land. Is it right? Now think of this. Michael Hamner, or Hammer, excuse me, of the Arizona Research Laboratories at the University of Arizona summarized the results of his major study of the DNA of Jews from various parts of the world. In 2001, he said, despite their long-term residence in different countries in isolation from one another, most Jewish populations were not significantly different from one another at the genetic level. The results support the hypothesis that the paternal gene pools of Jewish communities from Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East descended from a common Middle Eastern ancestral population and suggests that most Jewish communities have remained relatively isolated from neighboring non-Jewish communities during and after the Diaspora. So you think of when the Romans came and conquered Jerusalem in 70 AD and then Hadrian in 135 AD puts the real crushing there. The Jews are dispersed throughout the, excuse me, that'd be eight, four corners of the earth, right? North, south, east, and west. God says in the last days, I'm going to gather you back home to your homeland again. God didn't lose them. And he's gathering them back. There's 144,000 of them here that are going to be sealed. And it's interesting, in the studies they found out, the Jews have been able to essentially keep their identity. I find it really fascinating. I've read of people in China, a particular area in China, that is Jewish. And they've managed to keep their Jewish identity in China. I find it absolutely fascinating. But these results have been confirmed several times. For instance, a 2013 study released in the journal Nature concludes these results trace the origins of most Jewish diaspora communities to the Levant. The Levant means the area bordering the eastern Mediterranean, a.k.a. Israel, right? Tracing it back with the DNA. There's no similar evidence that Americans, German, the British, Africans, or such group originated in the area of Israel. Number seven, and last, what are the 144,000 doing? They're preaching the gospel. Look at this. Verse nine, after these things, so John sees the 144,000, right? After I saw them, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. <coughs> John is connecting. After I saw the 144,000, I looked in heaven and I see all these people that are saved. Listen, at this point, the church is going to be gone. Who's going to be preaching the gospel during the tribulation? 
most believers or people who are coming to faith in Christ during the tribulation are going to be starved or beheaded. So who's going to preach it will be the 144,000. That's why they are sealed. That's why they are protected. Because like the Apostle Paul in his great conversion to write so much of the New Testament and deliver the gospel, can you imagine 144,000 Apostle Pauls? That's what it's going to be like. People have said it's going to be like 144,000 Billy Grahams. I don't think so. I think it's going to be more like 144,000 Apostle Pauls because they are Jewish, they are well studied in the Torah, and all of a sudden it's all going to connect and they're, going to be, and they're not going to be tied down to women. They're going to be free. Seriously. Listen, listen, listen. Did I say something wrong? I did not. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul is talking about being single. And he says, it's better if you can remain not married because you can be devoted to the things of the Lord. That's why I said that. So don't send me your angry emails. That goes for you too watching on TV stuff. That's why. So they're not going, they're going to be devoted to the Lord. They're not going to be tied down in a relationship. Make sense? All right. Get off my case. Man. Jeez Louise. What happens, Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us that this. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So God sends the 144,000 out into the tribulation sealed for this purpose. Uh, by the way, what else happens? Jesus said this. When he, when he, in Matthew chapter 24, he's talking about the gospel being delivered everywhere, right? I mean, he's talking about all the judgments during the tribulation, period. Then he says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So there, I, I have a lot of friends, and I've shown this. I mean, they'll show me this. They'll say, well, the rapture's not coming soon because the gospel still has to get all nations. No, they have not looked at the book of Revelation. They haven't studied it. That verse, that passage, Matthew 24, verse 14, is fulfilled in the tribulation period with the 144,000 and also with the, an angel. In Revelation chapter 14, again, after John is writing about the 144,000, he also says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. So my friends who tell me, good-hearted they mean well the gospel must get out there or jesus won't return no jesus says the end is not going to come until the gospel gets out there he's talking about the end of the tribulation he's talking about armageddon and then coming and ruling reigning from jerusalem in jerusalem right the gospel is not going to get out there to all of the world in a fulfillment of matthew chapter 24 verse 14 until the 144,000 jews are sealed preaching the gospel, and this angel is flying all over the planet, reaching every tribe and every tongue out there with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. Amen. Well